campaign is always uh, 24 hours, the working around the clock. And uh, every minute something happened, you have to solve it. Welcome to the Asian American Forward podcast. We've got some really exciting stuff planned for today uh, because we're going to be talking about Andrew Yang's run for New York mayor. Um, and of course, as always, joining me uh, is my co-host Don's son. Don, hi. Hi, Katie. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you again here. Don, I'm excited to talk to you and it's good to see you again as usual. Um, and as I'm sure we've hit on before on the show. Um, you work for Andrew Yang and he's had some very exciting news come out recently, um, which is that he is running for mayor of New York City this, uh, well, it'll be this summer. Um, and since you work behind the scenes, uh, sort of for Andrew Yang, uh, you worked for his presidential campaign. Um, I'd love to hear more about the decision-making process um, what was that like? Why has Andrew decided to run for mayor of New York? Why is that the next step for him? Okay, number one, this is not my personal decision. That's Andrew's decision. I, the, uh, myself, the function, just to try to do part of my work and share myself with the entire the campaign team. And uh, I think this the entire thought process or decision-making uh, we have to uh, do a lot of uh, research and uh, polling and uh, try to find the basis of where the, the campaign, uh, the pro and the con, and what's the base, what's the number going to tell us. You know, it's, uh, uh, after presidential campaign for Andrew uh, in the last year, probably around uh, March, February, February, and we start a humanity forward and try to implement this kind of a policy presidential campaign driving to like a, a, the, the UBI movement. And then we have a humanity forward organization. We have like a 10 people left stay with Andrew together, try to implement the experiment and give some poor people and some regular people in some particular district give the people money to do some uh, uh, experiment and also some political experiment. At the meantime, we help uh, Joe Biden to run presidency. And then uh, uh, our campaign team and uh, Andrew, we start to figure, if we want to really change this uh, world, or is it just a contribute to the society, especially when we feel the crisis ahead, not only the, the uh, 2020, 2021, always you can see 2022 until 2024, there's a huge, huge crisis economically and socially. So it's a, we decided to think where Andrew can put his effort, his movement really into the practical platform to solve some problem for the normal people, for the ordinary people. Either run the state governor or run senator or is a New York mayor. So it's a, we figure New York may, mayor may be the one to feed the people like Andrew. 
He's the kind of a CEO type people. Although he's a, the talking pretty eloquent and pretty inspired, sometimes humor, but uh, he really, really want to have a good team to solve the problem. So in terms of the New York City, there's uh, so many challenges there. And uh, Andrew don't have an experience experiment on the management of the city. So this is a challenge. And probably so we use the two weeks and we start to try to figure out what's the number going to tell us. So we collect uh, uh, five different uh, polling company nationwide and also it's uh, uh, New York wide. So it's, uh, we say, what's the Andrew's position? compared with the other candidate, they fell in the paper already. So the, after one week research, of course, it's a, we have to raise money, and that's my job too. So raise money to pay the, the polling company and the result coming back. Andrew is always on top. We have a paid a polling company, have a lot of a company, they volunteer as a third party, they did a polling as well. Andrew is always on the top in terms of name recognition because everyone knows who is Andrew now already, especially for the New, Yorker, New Yorkers. The, another extremely, extremely important factor is the New Yorker system adopt a ranked choice voting system this year, this election. So that's the, another the, the factor uh, impact. The third one is the, we have a so good campaign team. We can recruit a lot of uh, talent people to here. So that's the basic uh, behind the scene. We do the polling, we negotiate, we do pro and con, we, we are assembling the member, the, the team, that's the until today. And uh, we, we launch and uh, looks like a pretty good and we are confident to start the campaign. Yeah, I'm also really curious. So like, obviously, as someone who um, ran for president in the 2020 uh, Democratic primary and, you know, has now had kind of a, spent some time helping uh, Joe Biden, helping campaign in Georgia for those um, really tightly contested Senate races. Um, There's so many options available to um, Andrew Yang, like to to go in a variety of different directions, right? Um, I know that he's done some work for CNN since dropping out of the race and he could have chosen to go in a, in a more media direction or as you mentioned, like running for um, you know, Senate or some other kind of representative body. So what was the particular attraction of being the mayor of New York City as opposed to any other path that he, he could have taken? Uh... Any cabinet position or representative, you are one of many. If you are a senator, you are one of 100. If you are congressional members, you are 500, one of 500. The only choice is that you can, you can either run the governor, that's the one person like a CEO, they run the entire state, or you run the largest city, New York. In, in the world and you run the city and uh, state. And I think is uh, Kumo has a pretty good reputation. Even some people don't like him. 
and his term is the way it's like a four years later. Mm-hmm. It's too far. But the New York mayor is going to turn this year immediately open November. So for the team, campaign team, we like this kind of a immediately continue working on the campaign mode. You know, it's the campaign is always 24 hours, the working around the clock. And every minute something happened, you have to solve it. This kind of a momentum or team is not fit fit out yet. We still keep the, the enthusiastic try to do something. So this kind of uh, campaigns, uh, drivers to go there. The most important, uh, we like a challenge, Andrew like a challenge. New York is going to be the toughest city and the most difficult city and a lot of crisis and all kind of issue, all mixed together. It's a challenge for Andrew, whether he can generate enough policy and practically feasible we can solve the problem. If we can build New York City as the, the best city, always we can have a completely new print on the social issue, on the justice, on the economic policy, small business, even larger business, we can put all together. Mm-hmm. And so I'm also really curious. So um, I actually was, I was still in school during the primary in the in the spring and fall, and um, I was I found uh, Andrew Yang's campaign really interesting from the perspective of, of course, like kind of the hallmark of his campaign, at least early on, um, universal basic income. So I'm also really curious about how maybe the platform has stayed the same or changed. Is UBI still kind of a centerpiece there? For the entire New York, we have a we have a project called the Hudson Project. That's the one territory, one small pieces uh, uh, area. We do the implement uh, the experiment for the UBI. But uh, in terms of largely in entire New York City, like uh, eight million people to do the UBI, that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's my personal opinion. Whether it's that we can find the money to sustainable to support the UBI, that's a different story. So it's a, we, at least uh, my understanding is that we try to solve immediately the New Yorkers uh, problem and the policy focus uh, uh, to solve them and to how to fight the pandemic with the education, police brutality, police uh, department reform, education and uh, infrastructure and uh, reviving the small business in the restaurant and the regular retail. That's kind of things that we have to be put the policy there and uh, implement the first. Uh, UBI is a, uh, I personally think it's going to uh, retreat to the second tier or so we don't put it at the basic uh, uh, platform for the city level, but it's uh, open. And uh, if uh, some somewhere so we have some uh, funding to support it, we can expand it larger and larger the area. Yeah, well, certainly experimentation is is an important thing on that um, issue. So maybe at least bringing about another round of, uh, you know, in the seventies and eighties, there were there was kind of a run of UBI experiments in the U.S. and Canada. So maybe seeing that happen yeah. again could be really exciting. Um, 
I, one of the other things I really enjoyed about um, just watching Yang's candidacy in the, in the primaries was just seeing him improve um, as a politician as, and a candidate, like coming from being someone with a lot of, um, you know, entrepreneurial experience and some management experience, but never having run for office before. Um, so I'm also really curious to hear from your perspective as someone who was working with him during that time. How do you think the 2020 presidential campaign um, and then your work even going forward um, supporting the Biden campaign and all of that has prepared the Yang team for like this new challenge? Uh, okay, since the 2018, when I joined the Andrews team, I think he's just uh, my neighbor regular guy, always the small business owner, CEO, those kind of people. But he's a very, very calm, very confident. And you can see every day his improvement and both build his uh, personal uh, integrity and uh, knowledge from a, a presidential election to the humanity forward and to the today's uh, New York mayor. I think it's the um, political skill and the political thought and the philosophy and the he becoming uh, from one person know nothing about uh, how established or politician, how relation they, they interact with each other. And now he's a very, very good to lobby the congressional people, lobby senator and all his uh, circle. They talk to the congressional people every day. So it's the, the people at that level talk, you know, it's the all pretty subtle. And you deliver the message has to be very accurate. So it's the, we spend like a, almost one month in the Capitol Hill and we talk to every congressional member to lobby the stimulus plan for $2,000. Andrew behind the scene just kept talking every day. That's kind of things that I think uh, at the moment uh, when I talk to Andrew, I can feel he's so confident to working with the establishment already. How about for you personally? What was your, your personal takeaway from the presidential campaign experience that you want to take going forward into this new endeavor? Yeah, I think uh, the very first day when I walk into the uh, New York office, I flew from California to the New York. The first, the first day I flew in there, uh, on the wall, the, the our office is almost empty. There's only one folding table there and a couple chairs. And on the wall, there's uh, one small piece of a paper said, "Humanity first. You know, deep in my Mind, I said, humanity first, what that mean? I don't get it. But uh, after election until today, humanity first has been part of my blood. So, so whenever you, you do something, especially for the politician, you don't do calculation. You just uh, put the humanity always at the first, put the normal people first. And then whatever the scale you have, that's all secondary. If your philosophy 
the people can see through your eyes if you are what kind of person you are. And then, but if you really, really believe humanity first, and then you put the problem solving as your practice a way to help people, and you can win whatever the election. Even if you don't win, we can keep going to, to move forward to another things we can do. That's the what I take. That's why the, every day I wake up, I'm so excited. I do something for the community, for the people, and, uh, and I'm fortunate to working for Andrew. That's such a um, wonderful, like, uh, compassionate uh, view of politics. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to, to bring that up and talk about that a little bit. To change tracks a little bit, though, and get down more into the horse racy stuff, um, I wanted to talk through a few of your, a few of the candidates and kind of give the audience a sense of the race as well. Um, it's a pretty crowded field this year. Obviously, um, the incumbent de Blasio can't run again. So this is one of, the, I read, I think the first, no, not the first. It's like the fourth time or so in almost a century or maybe two centuries that there's been no incumbent on the ballot. Um, I know, uh, I believe 1973 was one of the other previous races. I can't remember the other ones. Um, so, but the, the reporting that I found from a few days before our taping, that was the most recent I could see, um, 32 people had filed to run. So that's a lot. Um, and I think we'll be seeing some of the dynamics that we saw in the Democratic primary, which is the divide between more progressive and more moderate um, Democrats. Although New York is a very progressive environment um, with all of the disruptions of 2020 and sort of the way that life for everyone and especially life for those living in really dense cities like New York um, has evolved. I think it's kind of hard to predict how things are going to turn out. Um, so on the one hand, you have candidates like Sean Donovan, who served um, under both Obama's presidential administration um, and as Michael Bloomberg's city housing commissioner, um, and Catherine Garcia, who also, um, she served as sanitation commissioner under de Blasio, um, but has quit her job. Um, and she's running as a centrist. Um, so these people might be considered more moderate based on their previous associations um, with Bloomberg and de Blasio. Um, but then you have uh, the more progressive side, former nonprofit executive Diana Morales, who um, supports defunding the police um, and other progressive policies. You have Maya Wiley, who's a civil rights lawyer and former political analyst for MSNBC. Um, and some of the reporting I'm reading around her is that she may kind of become a favorite. Um, also, Carlos Mon, Mon I'm going to butcher this. Oh, no. Carlos Manchacha who is a Brooklyn city council member um, and would be, has been focused a lot on immigrant issues um, in his career, um, would also be the first gay and Latino mayor um, of the city. And all of those people are kind of in the more progressive camp. Then coming in behind Andrew Yang on some of the polling that I was reading, you have um, also Eric Adams, who is currently the Brooklyn Borough President um, and a former police officer. So um, police reform is a big focus for him. So all of these people kind of coming out into the fore and of course, whoever assumes office will be governing um, something that is in a lot of ways a very different city than it was six months, nine months, a year ago. 
Um, and the pandemic, of course, has not only taken the lives of many NYC residents, but has just negatively impact a variety of aspects of life. Um, many people have, we've seen people leaving urban areas for the suburbs or to live with relatives in other parts of the country. Um, as work goes remote and rent prices being so high in an area like that. Um, I also saw an estimate that nearly one third of small businesses um, in the city may never reopen after this. So um, where do you kind of see Andrew Yang's campaign is fitting into this whole big, big picture atmosphere. There's a couple of issues. One is, uh, this is, uh, we have to think in the political campaign. This time is a little bit different than previous one, any in New York history. So it's the Andrew and our campaign team we're going to focus on our message very clear and promote the Andrew's business background, understanding of the issue. And also, did you see that Andrew almost no enemy during the entire presidential campaign? The people point the finger to each other on the debate stage, Andrew never attack anyone. He can skillfully to team up and build relationship or partnership almost uh, issue-centered, not a person-centered. So rank, vote, rank choice voting system encourage people with kind of a angles, this kind of type of person, not attacking dog, but try to build an alliance and a policy-driven, issue-driven. Those people are going to buy, especially for the New York people. They like people can really solve their daily life's problem. And uh, I personally think uh, uh, Andrew has a pretty, pretty good solid uh, the base to win. And for me, it's, uh, the APA community is a huge issue in the, in the New York. So if Andrew can win the New York City and he can set up some role models uh, for the APA community, and then it's the one third or it's a full, quarter of the New York population is coming from uh, Asian. So that part is the, we need, at least for me, it's my focus. I try to figure out what's the issue there and how we solve the issue, uh, how we connected Andrew with this particular ethnic group. Another important feature of this race that we've like talked around a little bit, but haven't really talked about yet, um, is the new voting system that New York City will be um, trying out, we'll see the first election using this, I believe in February. Um, so yeah. New York voters will now be able to select five candidates in order of preference um, in primary and special elections. Uh, like I said, that first test is gonna be a special election in Queens to fill a vacant seat in the 24th uh, city council district. Um, so New York voters approved ranked choice voting uh, method by 74% in a ballot question in 2019. Uh, but some lawmakers and community groups are concerned that the city hasn't done enough to prepare voters to switch to this new method. A case no. made its way to the state Supreme Court in December over the issue. Um, ultimately, the court ruled to proceed with the ranked choice ballots. Um, but Don, you've talked a little bit about how you think the new system might affect the um, Yang campaign. 
Um, I'm also wondering how, how that's going to change how your team is preparing at all or thinking about the race. Okay. Run choice, uh, the voting system at the very beginning is uh, pretty confused with people. It's the people the first time say, oh, it's the, I choose the five people or three people. It looks like a very confusing. The rank voting system, I first time uh, know it or approach it, understand it, it's from California, Oakland mayor, Jin Kwan. He ran the mayor, is, uh, I think it's uh, 2010, something around there. It's uh, almost 10 years early. That's the first time I heard about the rank voice choice system. So it, uh, I remember the election night, Jin Kwan is a uh, real behind. There's almost no chance. And in terms of you measure the politicians, the character, and uh, how narrative they do the presentation, the shake hand with the voters, consultants. Qin Kuang is not on the top at all. Nobody know her, and nobody thinks she can win the election. But she just keep talking to regular people every day, knocking people's door and say, if you couldn't choose me at the first choice, it's possible you can choose me at the second choice. So all the professional politicians, they are front runner. They are on the newspaper everywhere. So everyone think they are going to win. But the rank choice voting system, when the battlefield of, it's very crowded. The people going to have a several choice. And if none of them reach 50%, over 50%, you have to put the rank choice, the second choice, the, the, the people on for each one. So Jin Kwan, after three days, she become the mayor. Even the first round, second round, she's not, not there, but the cumulative, and she become most uh, likely person. The people like her. Doesn't mean she's uh, stronger, it's, uh, the, the old the professional, or the more articulate politician but she is the most likely deliver the message and bring people together. Same thing for the Andrew. In the New York, there's a ranked choice voting system. If you are very, very progressive or very conservative, conservative almost uh, not much chance for the, for the people. They can only grab their base and their base, no base in New York can over 50% at this moment, everybody know. But if your policy cover everywhere and your name recognition is good, and you got all the, the, the like a police, firefighter, teachers, all the union to support you. And uh, if they don't put you on the first choice, you can be the second choice, or you can be the third choice. So it's the angle can fit that category. I believe first round uh, the the election the result no one going to over fifty for sure because the the field is so crowded. But the second round we believe Andrew may be coming out. That's the our prediction and also it's a kind of a strategy. That's why we keep Andrew busy to talking to people everywhere.
at life that we have a chance. Yeah, to ask a very point blank question to kind of follow up on that. Um, so who then is Yang's kind of closest competition? At this moment, uh, I personally think it's uh, Eric is uh, pretty strong. And uh, uh, that's Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough yeah. president. Yes, and also the current uh, city controller and uh, uh, Mr. Stringer. Mm. I think they too is uh, so far in the poll. Uh, I think they are the front runner at this moment. So, but uh, we compare the policy, we compare the campaign strategy, and uh, we just do our part of work. So it's, uh, at the moment, whether you're a front runner or not front runner, it doesn't matter. It's that we have a six months for the primary until the June. I think it's the, uh, as long as we keep working hard, I think it's everyone have a chance. Nobody know the final result, but uh, I trust our candidate, I trust our team, and I have a confidence to our candidate, I have a confidence to our team. That's the, the way we, we play the game. So for the uh, front runner or other candidate, how strong they are, and basically it's uh, uh, not our focus at this moment. That seems like a good place to close it up. And I um, was really fun to get to talk through this with kind of an inside perspective. Um, I hope our listeners enjoyed it uh, as well. We will finally come back to our regular quarantine segment, lighten the mood a little bit, um, and hopefully share some entertainment to keep you pushing through the pandemic winter. Um, so Don, what have you been watching, listening to, or reading this week? Uh, uh, I don't know it's the, I talk about the Homeland episode. It's, I, I'm watching on the, the third season, and the episode, I think it's a seven. So it's uh, each night I probably watch two or three episodes of Homeland. It's about the CIA, FBI, those kind of <laughs> drama stuff, and they get me excited. Oh my God! This is the whole whole craft the, the, or the government system. It's the inside story, but it's uh, they always have a couple of uh, pretty girls. They are very very strong. They are polarized uh, character, but they always uh, keep uh, humanity first and uh, solve the problem. And that's the, uh, pretty exciting, entertaining to me. <laughs> I've heard good things. I've heard good things about it. I've never seen it myself. Oh, <laughs> that's a lot. It's, you have to make sure you can shut down next episode, close it, uh, turn off the <laughs> Keep computer. the remote close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, my answer this week is a little bit of a cheat answer and I'm, I'm gonna give away our next book that we're reviewing just came in the mail today and I'm really excited about it because it took me a little bit of work to track it down. Um, yeah. It's been so popular this year that it was literally sold out on Amazon. I had I called a bunch of local bookstores to see if they had it and no one had it. Um, finally found it on Barnes & Noble, but I'm really excited to get started reading it after uh, we record this episode. I'm hopefully gonna start tonight. Um, it came this morning, which is uh, How Much of These Hills is Gold? And it's a historical novel um, that we're going to discuss on the show. 
So I thought I would go ahead and give the readers a heads up that um, I'm going to be reading through it. Hopefully you'll get to read through it a little bit um, so that maybe they can get started on it if they want to, uh, to avoid spoilers when we talk about it in a few weeks. Yeah, that's good. The, the book, I expected uh, uh, if I have a, my book, I think it's maybe still not arrived yet, but it's in a couple of days. But in practice, I have involved the, the, uh, a lot of uh, history in this country about the Chinese, uh, uh, the, the San Francisco, or it's the railroad history. And also it's uh, uh, 1882, the Chinese exclusion law. I involved all this process. So it's the, I can share some story, what's behind the scene to pass the bill, and do something in the Capitol Hill and related to the, the book. It's pretty exciting. I expected that we can share the story with all audience. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about it as well. And I think that's about all we have time for this week. So we will wrap it up there. Don, thank you as always. <laughs> thank you. Always and, enjoy to talk to you. And to our listeners, thank you, of course for coming and uh, hanging out with us as usual. My name is Katie Simpson. Um, our podcast is sponsored by Asian American Forward. You can visit our website at asianamericanforward.com. If you enjoyed the show this week or have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode, send us your comments at info at asianamericanforward.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can also find us on Facebook and hear more content